Volume One, Part One, Chapter Eight of the Ingenious Gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra, translated by John Ormsby, eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Volume One, Part One, Chapter Eight, of the good fortune which the valiant Don Quixote had in the terrible and undreamt-of adventure of the windmills with other occurrences worthy to be fitly recorded at this point they came in sight of thirty or forty windmills that there are on that plain and as soon as don quixote saw them he said to his squire fortune is arranging matters for us better than we could have shaped our desires ourselves for look there friend sancho panza where thirty or more monstrous giants present themselves all of whom i mean to engage in battle and slay and with whose spoils we shall begin to make our fortunes for this is righteous warfare and it is god's good service to sweep so evil a breed from off the face of the earth what giants said sancho panza those thou seest there answered his master with the long arms and some of them nearly two leagues long look your worship said sancho what we see there are not giants but windmills and what seem to be their arms are the sails that turned by the wind make the millstone go it is easy to see replied don quixote that thou art not used to this business of adventures those are giants and if thou art afraid away with thee out of this and betake thyself to prayer while i engage them in fierce and unequal combat so saying he gave the spur to his steed rocinante heedless of the cries his squire sancho sent after him warning him that most certainly they were windmills and not giants he was going to attack he however was so positive they were giants that he neither heard the cries of sancho nor perceived near as he was what they were but made at them shouting fly not cowards and vile beings for it is a single knight that attacks you a slight breeze at this moment sprang up and the great sails began to move seeing which don quixote exclaimed though ye flourish more arms than the giant briarius ye have yet to reckon with me so saying and commending himself with all his heart to his lady dulcinea imploring her to support him in such a peril with lance in rest and covered by his buckler he charged at rocinante's fullest gallop and fell upon the first mill that stood in front of him but as he drove his lance-point into the sail the wind whirled it round with such force that it shivered the lance to pieces sweeping with it horse and rider who went rolling over on the plain in a sorry condition sancho hastened to his assistance as fast as his ass could go and when he came up found him unable to move with such a shock had rocinante fallen with him god bless me said sancho did i not tell your worship to mind what you were about for they were only windmills and no one could have made any mistake about it but one who had something of the same kind in his head hush friend sancho replied don quixote the fortunes of war more than any other are liable to frequent fluctuations and moreover i think and it is the truth that the same sage fristone who carried off my study and books has turned these giants into mills in order to rob me of the glory of vanquishing them such is the enmity he bears me but in the end his wicked arts will avail but little against my good sword god order it as he may said sancho panzo and helping him to rise got him up again on rocinante whose shoulder was half out 
and then discussing the late adventure they followed the road to puerto la pice for there said don quixote they could not fail to find adventures in abundance and variety as it was a great thoroughfare for all that he was much grieved at the loss of his lance and saying so to his squire he added i remember having read how a spanish knight diego perez de vargas by name having broken his sword in battle tore from an oak a ponderous bough or branch and with it did such things that day and pounded so many moors that he got the surname of machuea and he and his descendants from that day forth were called vargas y machuea i mention this because from the first oak i see i mean to rend such another branch large and stout like that with which i am determined and resolved to do such deeds that thou mayest deem thyself very fortunate in being found worthy to come and see them and be an eye-witness of things that will with difficulty be believed be that as god will said sancho i believe it all as your worship says it but straighten yourself a little for you seem all on one side maybe from the shaking of the fall that is the truth said don quixote and if i make no complaint of the pain it is because knights-errant are not permitted to complain of any wound even though their bowels be coming out through it if so said sancho i have nothing to say but god knows i would rather your worship complained when anything ailed you for my part i confess i must complain however small the ache may be unless indeed this rule about not complaining extends to the squires of knights-errant also don quixote could not help laughing at his squire's simplicity and he assured him he might complain whenever and however he chose just as he liked for so far he had never read of anything to the contrary in the order of knighthood sancho bade him remember it was dinner-time to which his master answered that he wanted nothing himself just then but that he might eat when he had a mind with this permission sancho settled himself as comfortably as he could on his beast and taking out of the alforjas what he had stowed away in them he jogged along behind his master munching deliberately and from time to time taking a pull at the bota with a relish that the thirstiest tapster in malaga might have envied and while he went on in this way gulping down draught after draught he never gave a thought to any of the promises his master had made him nor did he rate it as hardship but rather as recreation going in quest of adventures however dangerous they might be finally they passed the night among some trees from one of which don quixote plucked a dry branch to serve him after a fashion as a lance and fixed on it the head he had removed from the broken one all that night don quixote lay awake thinking of his lady dulcinea in order to conform to what he had read in his books how many a night in the forests and deserts knights used to lie sleepless supported by the memory of their mistresses not so did sancho panza spend it for having his stomach full of something stronger than chicory water he made but one sleep of it and if his master had not called him neither the rays of the sun beating on his face nor all the cheery notes of the birds welcoming the approach of day would have had power to waken him on getting up he tried the bota and found it somewhat less full than the night before which grieved his heart because they did not seem to be on the way to remedy the deficiency readily don quixote did not care to break his fast for as has been already said he confined himself to savoury recollections for nourishment they returned to the road they had set out with leading to puerto lapice and at three in the afternoon they came in sight of it here brother sancho panza said don quixote when he saw it 
we may plunge our hands up to the elbows in what they call adventures but observe even shouldst thou see me in the greatest danger in the world thou must not put a hand to thy sword in my defence unless indeed thou perceivest that those who assail me are rabble or base folk for in that case thou mayest very properly aid me but if they be knights it is on no account permitted or allowed thee by the laws of knighthood to help me until thou hast been dubbed a knight most certainly senor replied sancho your worship shall be fully obeyed in this matter all the more as of myself i am peaceful and no friend to mixing in strife and quarrels it is true that as regards the defence of my own person i shall not give much heed to those laws for laws human and divine allow each one to defend himself against any assailant whatever that i grant said don quixote but in this matter of aiding me against knights thou must put a restraint upon thy natural impetuosity i will do so i promise you answered sancho and i will keep this precept as carefully as sunday while they were thus talking there appeared on the road two friars of the order of st benedict mounted on two dromedaries for not less tall were the two mules they rode on they wore travelling spectacles and carried sunshades and behind them came a coach attended by four or five persons on horseback and two muleteers on foot in the coach there was as afterwards appeared a biscay lady on her way to seville where her husband was about to take passage for the indies with an appointment of high honour the friars though going the same road were not in her company but the moment don quixote perceived them he said to his squire either i am mistaken or this is going to be the most famous adventure that has ever been seen for those black bodies we see there must be and doubtless are magicians who are carrying off some stolen princess in that coach and with all my might i must undo this wrong this will be worse than the windmills said sancho look senor those are friars of st benedict and the coach plainly belongs to some travellers mind i tell you to mind well what you are about and don't let the devil mislead you i have told thee already sancho replied don quixote that on the subject of adventures thou knowest little what i say is the truth as thou shalt see presently so saying he advanced and posted himself in the middle of the road along which the friars were coming and as soon as he thought they had come near enough to hear what he said he cried aloud devilish and unnatural beings release instantly the high-born princesses whom you are carrying off by force in this coach else prepare to meet a speedy death as the just punishment of your evil deeds the friars drew rein and stood wondering at the appearance of don quixote as well as at his words to which they replied senor caballero we are not devilish or unnatural but two brothers of saint benedict following our road nor do we know whether or not there are any captive princesses coming in this coach no soft words with me for i know you lying rabble said don quixote and without waiting for a reply he spurred rocinante and with levelled lance charged the first friar with such fury and determination that if the friar had not flung himself off the mule he would have brought him to the ground against his will and sore wounded if not killed outright the second brother seeing how his comrade was treated drove his heels into his castle of a mule and made off across the country faster than the wind sancho panza when he saw the friar on the ground dismounting briskly from his ass rushed towards him and began to strip off his gown at that instant the friar's muleteers came up and asked what he was stripping him for 
Sancho answered them that this fell to him lawfully as spoil of the battle which his lord Don Quixote had won. The muleteers, who had no idea of a joke, and did not understand all this about battles and spoils, seeing that Don Quixote was some distance off talking to the travellers in the coach, fell upon Sancho, knocked him down, and leaving hardly a hair in his beard, belabored him with kicks and left him stretched breathless and senseless on the ground, and without any more delay helped the friar to mount, who, trembling, terrified, and pale, as soon as he found himself in the saddle, spurred after his companion, who was standing at a distance looking on, watching the result of the onslaught then not caring to wait for the end of the affair just begun they pursued their journey making more crosses than if they had the devil after them don quixote was as has been said speaking to the lady in the coach your beauty lady mine said he may now dispose of your person as may be most in accordance with your pleasure for the pride of your ravishers lies prostrate on the ground through this strong arm of mine unless you should be pining to know the name of your deliverer know that i am called don quixote of la mancha knight-errant and adventurer and captive to the peerless and beautiful lady dulcinea del toboso and in return for the service you have received of me i ask no more than that you should return to el toboso and on my behalf present yourself before that lady and tell her what i have done to set you free one of the squires in attendance upon the coach a biscayan was listening to all don quixote was saying and perceiving that he would not allow the coach to go on but was saying it must return at once to el toboso he made at him and seizing his lance addressed him in bad castilian and worse biscayan after this fashion begone caballero and ill go with thee by the god that made me unless thou quittest coach slayest thou as art here a biscayan don quixote understood him quite well and answered him very quietly if thou wert a knight as thou art none i should have already chastised thy folly and rashness miserable creature to which the biscayan returned i know gentleman i swear to god thou liest as i am christian if thou droppest lance and drawest sword soon shalt thou see thou art carrying water to the cat biscayan on land hidalgo at sea hidalgo at the devil and look if thou sayest otherwise, thou liest. You will see presently, said Agrajes, replied Don Quixote, and throwing his lance on the ground, he drew his sword, braced his buckler on his arm, and attacked the Biscayan, bent upon taking his life. The Biscayan, when he saw him coming on, though he wished to dismount from his mule, in which being one of those sorry ones let out for hire, he had no confidence, had no choice but to draw his sword. It was lucky for him, however, that he was near the coach, from which he was able to snatch a cushion that served him for a shield. And then they went at one another as if they had been two mortal enemies. The others strove to make peace between them, but could not, for the Biscayan declared in his disjointed phrase that if they did not let him finish his battle, he would kill his mistress and every one that strove to prevent him. The lady in the coach, amazed and terrified at what she saw, ordered the coachman to draw aside a little and set herself to watch this severe struggle in the course of which the biscayan smote don quixote a mighty stroke on the shoulder over the top of his buckler which given to one without armour would have cleft him to the waist don quixote feeling the weight of this prodigious blow cried aloud saying o lady of my soul dulcinea flower of beauty come to the aid of this your knight who in fulfilling his obligations to your beauty finds himself in this extreme peril 
to say this, to lift his sword, to shelter himself well behind his buckler, and to assail the Biscayan was the work of an instant, determined as he was to venture all upon a single blow. The Biscayan, seeing him come on in this way, was convinced of his courage by his spirited bearing, and resolved to follow his example. So he waited for him keeping well under cover of his cushion, being unable to execute any sort of manoeuvre with his mule, which, dead tired and never meant for this kind of game, could not stir a step. On then, as aforesaid, came Don Quixote against the wary Biscayan, with uplifted sword and a firm intention of splitting him in half, while on his side the Biscayan waited for him sword in hand and under the protection of his cushion, and all present stood trembling, waiting in suspense the result of blows such as threatened to fall, and the lady in the coach and the rest of her following were making a thousand vows and offerings to all the images and shrines of Spain, that God might deliver her squire and all of them from this great peril in which they found themselves. But it spoils all that at this point and crisis the author of the history leaves this battle impending, giving as excuse that he could find nothing more written about these achievements of Don Quixote than what has been already set forth. It is true the second author of this work was unwilling to believe that a history so curious could have been allowed to fall under the sentence of oblivion, or that the wits of La Mancha could have been so undiscerning as not to preserve in their archives or registries some documents referring to this famous knight, and this being his persuasion, he did not despair of finding the conclusion of this pleasant history, which, heaven favoring him, he did find in a way that shall be related in the second part. End of Volume 1, Part 1, Chapter 8